Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, when Bill Barr was first nominated by Donald Trump to be Attorney General of the United States, establishment Republicans breathed a sigh of relief. Barr was no crazy right-wing zealot, they thought. He was an experienced, respected, reasonable Republican who'd already served as Attorney General under President George Bush. He was a guy who would stand up to Donald Trump and rebuild the tattered reputation of the Justice Department. Ha <laughs> how wrong they were. Bill Barr's turned out to be a total toady for Donald Trump and caused many in the legal profession, both Democrats and Republicans, to worry that the Justice Department has forever lost its reputation as the nation's top independent law enforcement agency, which serves all the people of the United States, not just its president. Ed Chung tracks Justice Department issues in his position as Vice President for Criminal Justice Reform at the Great Center for American Progress. On the day the Justice Department released its long-awaited report on the beginnings of the FBI investigation into Donald Trump, I sat down with Ed Chung in his office at CAP. Ed, it's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with some breaking news. The Department of Justice is about to release, could be as early as today, um, the the report, official report, on the investigation done by their inspector general into the beginnings of the FBI investigation, which Donald Trump has claimed was a witch hunt from the beginning and was triggered by uh, anti-Trumpers, Trump haters within the FBI who did this because they didn't want him to become president. What do we know of what this report concludes on that charge? Well, one of the things that the inspector general does is that he allows people who have either uh, been interviewed or who have uh, provided information to go back and uh, look at parts of the report for accuracy to make sure that things were quoted correctly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and those report, those people who looked at it and had that opportunity came back and there have been media reports on that. The top line is that the investigation and the warrants to uh, the FISA warrants that started this? Um, the expectation is that the inspector general is going to say there was nothing wrong with that. Um, there's enough evidence that, and they were properly submitted and so forth. Um, and so that really will debunk the main and the strongest point that uh, pro-Trump supporters have been putting out that there was this was baseless it was only political and there was no evidence to come behind all it. right so that that let me let me sum that up so yeah. that we don't bury the lead donald trump says it was a witch hunt politically inspired from the beginning by people at the fbi he orders bill barr to launch an investigation into that show barr does it the report comes back and says that's not 
true. Right. There was good basis for this investigation. The FBI might have made some mistakes right. along the way, which agencies always do, but that there was solid reason. It was not a witch hunt. It was not illegitimate. It was not partisan. Correct? Right. And the only part which that I would... Is Huge. Absolutely. It is huge. The, the end result is huge. The only part that I just want to clarify a little bit here is the role of the inspector general. And this is not the same investigation that Trump ordered Barr to commit. This was okay. with Barr, with the inspector general in its capacity that it was able to. I got uh, it. Was able, was right. able but the conclusion this. is absolutely still, the same. Right. Yes. He said, now, what does Bill Barr think about this conclusion? So the reports are that Bill Barr is going to have an opportunity and had had an opportunity to uh, to file objections to it, and they expect to file objections to that. And to your bigger point, there is another investigation that's going on on top of this um, that was based on after Bill Barr's testimony, I believe, in the Senate, where he said, I believe spying was going on, which then compelled him to uh, appoint the district, uh, U.S. attorney for Connecticut to launch a separate parallel investigation into any of this. Um, and so it's it, he's it, the expectation is that he's going to come out and file objections to many parts of this, probably including to that well, conclusion. Well, so let's talk about that is a criminal investigation, correct. correct? Meaning that people in the FBI committed crimes? Or people... In or outside of the FBI, but yes, the, the investigation is people involved in the investigation of this. Yes. So, to what extent does this report by the Inspector General uh, Michael Horowitz undermine the Durham report? If he Horowitz concludes, hey, there are a lot of good reasons why the FBI should have been looking into this, yeah. doesn't that undermine Durham's report? Yeah, investigation. Absolutely. I think when you when you're looking at anything that's a parallel investigation like that, that's looking into exactly the same thing, that's undertaken by the same agency, the Department of Justice. Yeah. Right. Two yeah. different parts of it, and one comes out and concludes that nothing has been like the top line. Um, aside from some missteps that could have been made, there has there's sufficient report or sufficient um, basis to have investigated. Um, that will undercut a lot of the criminal uh, investigation underneath it. And there's already some reports that Durham, in some parts of the investigation, could not support the Republican talking points. Or I should say the Republican talking points, but the pro-Trump talking points, that this was all a sham and that there, there was nothing to rely on. So um, there was some reporting last week on that, and we expect that to happen. So if that's the case... Um, Really, this inspector general's report, that top line, is a really huge thing that the American people should pay attention to to debunk conspiracy theories. All right. Now, the, back to the inspector general's report. Um, the basis for the investigation that he finds was uh, at least twofold, as I, as I understand it. One, George Papadopoulos mm -hmm. over there in Europe mm -hmm. bragging about talking to Russian operatives and getting dirt on Hillary and connections with the campaign. Right. And then Carter Page, right. who had been under FBI suspicion for years, even before Donald Trump started running for president. Right? right. And on that basis, they went to the FISA court to get a warrant. Right. Uh, by the way, they, they went to the court to get a warrant, <laughs> meaning they did it legally. Legally. And that's such a good point to raise because this wasn't a 
just, uh, you know, an offhand process. It is a robust process that has gone through different iterations because uh, earlier versions of the FISA process had been under scrutiny as well. So now what you're looking at is going to an independent court that DOJ relies on for everything else when it comes to national security issues and to obtain warrants and to obtain, uh, to get an independent judicial finding for that. And one of the things that people should know about the FISA court is that it's not a rubber stamp to whatever the Department of Justice wants to do. There is a lot of back and forth that happens between government lawyers and the FISA court. And that, you know, whether or not that happened here, it seemed like the regular processes, or at least what we're expecting the Inspector General to come through, come and say, is that the regular processes were followed through, that an independent court approved those um, those uh, warrants and the the surveillance techniques, and um, there was legitimate basis behind it. Again, so the bottom line is not that the FBI agents didn't like Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump. It's that they saw evidence of collusion right. or with a foreign government mm-hmm. by campaign operatives who were talking about it, yeah. and they felt they had a duty to investigate it. Absolutely. And this is one place where, you know, going back to the criticism of FBI agents, it really rubs me the wrong way because I had the pleasure of working with FBI agents on some very serious investigations. And, you know, you get to know agents and you get to know them and they're, you know, who they are as a person. And, you know, there are things that, uh, whichever side of the line that they lay on, that they come down on in terms of ideology or whatever, the the FBI are very committed and dedicated agents. Um, And so to then have people like the president, the attorney general, impugn their integrity Based on nothing, Bill. That's that's the thing. You're basing this on a Maltese professor who are who's coming up with conspiracy theories to then get the Department of Justice process going, and then you have a criminal inquiry from uh, the U.S. Attorney in Connecticut. That's the most confounding thing about this. Where if it was based on legitimate. Um, reports of something going wrong and some illegality or whatever. That's a whole different story, and that should be something that's investigated. But these are things where the highest officials in our land are taking conspiracy theories at face value and giving them credence by then having the Department of Justice investigate that. And that's not what I'm saying that Michael Horowitz did, but that's what I'm saying that Bill Barr has done. Bill Barr has done. Now, the Trump defenders in the Congress say, that when the FBI went to FISA, the FISA court, that they relied solely on the famous Steele dossier, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, which has never been, all parts of which yeah. have never been proven true. To what extent do we know that this Steele dossier played so the one thing was that, the main cause of this? Right. So the one thing that we do know about the Steele dossier is that, or at least the reporting of uh the inspector general's report is that there was one filing where the steel dossier parts of it um, was not included in an application to the FISA court. So we don't know yet exactly what impact that actually had. But the fact is that they had other uh, information beyond that. Back to Papadopoulos and Carter Page. Exactly. Independent investigation into uh, Trump campaign operatives, meaning not necessarily their role in the campaign, but them, the, they themselves doing what things that in Europe and in other places, things that they shouldn't be doing um, that were the basis 
of this investigation. So and this, so it wasn't just a third-hand, fourth-hand, um, second-hand uh, information. It was investigation specifically into key players. Now, one thing that I still do not understand, maybe you can help me with, mm -hmm. is that the FBI had a parallel investigation going on at the same at the same time into Hillary Clinton's emails, <laughs> which we knew all about. Mm -hmm. They told us they were doing it. James Comey uh, slammed to Hillary Clinton, did nothing illegal, but was sloppy or whatever his words were. Right. Then he reopened the whole damn thing a, a week before the election. Meanwhile, this investigation into Donald Trump was going on, and they kept it totally secret. Yeah. Knowledge of that investigation certainly did not help Hillary Clinton. Right. Some people blame James Comey for her losing the election without going there. Why did they, you know, blab about the Clinton investigation and yet keep the Trump investigation secret. Yeah, I think this is one area where um, there is a non-ideological criticism of the way that J uh, James Comey handled that. Um, and it was a... Um, yeah, either talk about them both or talk right. about neither one. Right, exactly. And it, and the sequencing of, obviously, this has been litigated, but the sequencing mattered. And the amount of information at different points that were shared also mattered. The one difference here is that um, for um, the... For the investigation into um, Carter Page and Papadopoulos and the Trump campaign, uh, that involved a lot of national security issues that necessarily weren't at play as much in um, in, in the Clinton email yeah. issue, um, which had been kind of out there for a long time um, in terms of the conspiracy theories around that as well. Um, the problem then, but the, is what you're pointing out. Why share that information publicly and then leave uh, the American public with this kind of two-tiered, um, you know, approach uh, that it seemed like the FBI was taking? So let's get to uh, the attorney general uh, himself. We know that uh, Donald Trump frustrated uh, in the days of Jeff Sessions, um, feeling he was not getting enough help from his attorney general, famously said, where's my Roy Cohn? <laughs> uh, he got him, didn't he? He, he did. He did. And, you and know, what does that mean for people who don't know well, where I go? <laughs> well, let me step back first and just talk about um, Sessions and um, Barr. I mean, the way that this the way that the American people should look at this is that these are two Trump appointees. Right. So this is what Trump's vision of justice is. You can't look at anything else but who his attorney general is and also who his Supreme Court nominees and, and picks are to look at what Trump's vision of justice is. And what he's looking for is somebody to serve him, not somebody to serve the interests of justice or serve the American people or to protect the, uh, protect the Constitution and to defend the Constitution. He wants somebody who is looking to defend his personal interests and somebody who will, regardless of what um, the facts are and so forth, to be, uh, you know, come to his aid. And I think that is the thing that you'll see not only with every single thing with the Mueller investigation with Ukraine, but the way that he conducts his his policies, his 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 administration, the way that he's just off the cuff and always always thinking about himself personally. Right. And Bill Barr fit, fit that role, right? He did. And was willing to undertake that role. And so 
does he see the job as, of attorney general as Trump's personal attorney? Well, what, what we know is that he sees his job as somebody who defends the executive. And he looks at it doesn't seem like he looks at this as the uh, three co-equal branches of government as the Constitution and the framers laid out. He's looking at this as the executive branch has ultimate authority. And, you know, that's going a little bit above, you know, overboard. But to make the point, to emphasize the point that the criticisms, investigations, that the executive branch should have the leeway, as much leeway as possible. What's funny about that is that when you look at conservatives and Republicans who are talking about um, or defending Barr's approach and Trump's approach, this exact same thing that they would criticize Democrats about all the time and to like not with valid criticism. So it's safe to say that Barr looks at the presidency and the executive branch and say um, he is a defender of that. His personal conduct during this administration shows what you're talking about doing the bidding of Trump. And I think going back to the earlier conversation about saying that there was spying going on at the FBI, that line, when he said that in a congressional hearing, shows you how far he's gone, not only to defend the executive and to kind of lift the primacy of the executive, but to talk about what to go to do what Trump himself wants, not necessarily his role as a And his, this, this, his passion, people ask, why did Barr, who was semi-retired, even accept this job? Uh, and those who know him say he did because his passion is the unitary executive, mm -hmm. that, that phrase. Right. Which really, and this gives him an opportunity to advance that theory, right? Which yeah. is, which really means the presence above the law. Yeah, and, and it means that things like congressional subpoenas are not going to be followed through. Now, we've seen that in this uh, impeachment inquiry by what the White House counsel does. There is a presumption that White House counsel is communicating with the Department of Justice, but you don't even have to go to that. You can go with other congressional subpoenas that it, that the Oversight Committee has um, has really uh, looked at into or issued to um to really have oversight of the Department of Justice, their regular constitutionally guaranteed right to do that. And this Department of Justice has been the charitable way to say it is slow. Um, the accurate way to say it is really just obstructionist about not honoring subpoenas from Congress. And that in itself shows exactly what we're talking about. All right. So put this in context as someone who loves the law and, 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 and respects the, our system of justice. What does it mean to have... Uh, an, an attorney general or a Department of Justice that is seen as just an arm of the Oval Office and not this independent um, ultimate authority yeah. of law enforcement in this country? That's such a great question, Bill, because I think people, uh, when you look at uh, federal agencies and cabinet officials, some people automatically think that cabinet officials should just do the bidding of whatever the administration is. The Department of Justice is a unique agency. It is not upheld to just push out the policies. So of maybe the other agencies like transportation, right, or HHS or whatever, but right. not justice. Right. And I'm not trying to diminish any other agency, but just the nature of the Department of Justice, because you have so many roles where, it, where you're talking about how the Department of Justice uh, represents the United States in courts of law or arguing before the Supreme Court or 
being an arbiter and being representing the people in court in and of itself is a different role and it's a unique and special role. So the attorney general cannot just do what the president wants. The attorney general more than arguably more than any other cabinet official has a separate duty and hopefully they align <laughs> in most situations to uphold and defend the constitution and to interpret what the and sorry interprets not the right word to make sure that the administration's policies are consistent with the constitution with the law and that's and, important and people in the legal community are concerned yeah right absolutely. i mean republicans as well as democrats absolutely i mean there's le there's always letters in this time going around and sign on letters and so forth but what's interesting is that the number of conservative identify Republican people who have served uh, Republican administrations, both administrations, have come out at, at not only how shocking the Trump administration is, but how shocking the the Barr administration or the Barr uh, Department of Justice has been in not upholding the kind of rule of law. And you hear these phrases all the time, Bill, about rule of law. And rule of law and, and, and making sure that we are governed in that way is falls a lot on the Department of Justice to do, and Barr hasn't held up his, his end of the bargain on that. And we're talking with Ed Chung, who's the Vice President for Criminal Justice Reform at the Center for American Progress. I will take a quick break here on the Bill Press pod and then uh, resume our conversation about Bill Barr, yes, Attorney General of the United States. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Great International Association of Firefighters. Great men and women of the Firefighters Union, nobody deserves our thanks more because we count on them and they never let us down. The IAFF under President Harold Schaatberger, representing over 320,000 professional firefighters and paramedics across the United States and Canada. They're on the front lines protecting American families every day. We thank them for their great work. We depend on them. We thank them for the sponsorship of the Bill Press Pod. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. 
the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back here at the Center for American Progress uh, with uh, Ed Chung in the studio of the Center for American Progress (laughs) where the Bill Press show actually began in 2005, (laughs) back on home territory. You know this place, don't you? (laughs) So good to see you. So let's talk about some of the uh, examples we've seen, if you will, of Bill Barr being more someone, it seems, who sees his job as serving Donald Trump rather than serving the American people. Um, The first one that comes to my mind is when the Mueller report, not necessarily chronological, the Mueller report is released, right? Bill Barr is the one who talks about it first and totally misrepresents what Bob Mueller concluded. Right. And at that time, the report actually had not been released. Correct. And it was just him giving a summary and releasing a four-page or very short memorandum of that of his conclusions. And then the report wasn't actually released, I think, for another four weeks after that, giving his version the authority in the public's mind. We find out after that that it's very inconsistent with what the with what the Mueller report said. And giving Donald Trump the foundation to say no obstruction, no, no collusion, no obstruction. Absolutely. For four weeks before we ever saw the report. And you see the key difference in how that played out versus how the current impeachment inquiry played out in terms of what's happening. In the, and when the public sees it all at the same time, you don't have this kind of buildup that the Trump administration can do with kind of the information war and so forth about and how they're going to slant some information and so forth. I mean, the, the fact that the attorney general at that point made just a calculating decision to benefit President Trump instead of looking at what would benefit justice and what is fair. Um, that in and of itself is something that is questionable and uh, honestly disqualifying in a lot of ways. And was it Barr who made the decision, we are not going to accuse President Trump of obstruction of justice? When, in fact, the report had multiple examples of Trump's attempts to yeah. obstruct justice. Absolutely. He uh, he admitted that he made that decision. He, Bill he, Barr. Barr. Barr made that decision because in the Mueller report where it was clear that anybody who's looking at it, Mueller concluded that he did not have the authority. Authority because of DOJ uh, legal opinion, and this is a longstanding uh, legal opinion that sitting presidents can't be indicted. But Mueller laid out the facts for at least ten counts of obstruction, um, at least half of which are slam dunks, and maybe some of them aren't, but at least half of them are slam dunks. And having not having made quote unquote the decision, the Mueller Barr stepped into it and immediately. He didn't even take time to to look it over. Immediately made the decision to exonerate uh, the president. When Mueller himself, let's remind people, said specifically, we cannot exonerate the president. Barb did exactly that. Right. 
So we are, are uh, talking uh, here at the center on Monday, December 9. Um, I have here with me the uh, New York Times this morning, the front page, upper right-hand column, headline, Wright rejoices as Barr assails liberal culture. Uh, and this article by Jeremy Peters and Katie Brenner, uh, Benner rather, makes a point again that some establishment Republicans, when Bill Barr was appointed, thought, oh boy, thank God we finally got somebody you know, reasonable right in as right. Attorney General who's just not going to do everything Donald Trump wants and points out how, how wrong they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example they give, and the second example in our conversation here, is that the Bill Barr went out and gave a speech at Notre Dame, not a public speech, mm-hmm. but a speech that's been pretty well reported, where he... Um, uh, 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 took on secularists, you know, in the media, mm-hmm. uh, and of course in the Democratic Party. Said we need a moral renaissance in this country, and we have to get back to Judeo-Christian values. Uh, that and that accused the secularists of trying to destroy organized religion. Again, not a typical role for an <laughs> attorney general. Now we know he's a very conservative, right, faithful Catholic, right, but. And and not a role this for sounds like Franklin Graham, <laughs> and that's that's a scary part of, especially somebody in his role to do that as somebody who is quote unquote the chief law enforcement officer. But not only that, somebody who is, who has a primary responsibility to defend the First Amendment and to defend the separation of church and state and to make sure that you know religious institutions are properly. Uh, you know, in terms of in the government's eyes, properly you know have their role in society, but without the um, taking away from the establishment clause of the free exercise clause, making sure that uh, it is happening the way that it's supposed to, and the way the framers intended. We we see a, a, an attorney general who is criticizing without not only without merit but way too ideologically a segment of the american public and he does that not only when it comes to secularism and uh, people of faith but he does that when it comes to different communities he it is a separation uh, and a, a a disassociation of cultures and it seems like he's only looking to then use the powers of the department of justice for the benefit of the favored segment of the population. And right. that's really scary. Right. Which has always been those who profess the Judeo-Christian ethic better than anyone, and particularly right. the evangelical community. Right. Now, it was a similar speech, and again, a private speech, that he gave to the Federalist Society, where, building up on what you just pointed out, if you will, following that theme, where he accused critics of Donald Trump, that all, uh, all they wanted to do was to overturn the 2016 election. So mm-hmm. this whole impeachment thing, or cr- any criticism of Donald Trump's policies, was an effort to um, um, to weaken the power of the presidency, again, by overturning and, 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 and considering Donald Trump illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it, it's the politicization right. of the role of attorney general. And this is it, the attorney general... Not in a campaign speech. I'm not sure that he should, but in his official capacity, yeah, as yeah. attorney general, speaking to a conservative legal, uh, you know, organization, and you know, I, 
put aside, if you will, whether or not uh, attorney general and Supreme Court justices should speak at, at, at things like this, whether it's um, the Federal Society or the ACS or anybody else, regardless of ideology, the fact that you're trying to silence, or at least the effect of what you're doing, is silencing criticism of the president. Um, it is mind-boggling that anybody could um, occupy that role and do that at the same time. The other things that he, he said at that, I mean, he mentioned the rule of law and said that, you know, liberals do not believe in the rule of law, essentially. And, and, and I hate this exercise when we always say, imagine if, you know, if another, you know, if it was on the other foot and if a different administration, a Democratic administration said the same thing. But or if Eric Holder, if Eric Holder said, said Republicans that, do not believe in the rule of law. I mean, yeah. The amazing things that Eric Holder was criticized for, the compared to what Barr gets away with, uh, is amazing. And you know there have been other um, <laughs> attorneys general that you could have issues in terms of their policy and so forth, but to come out and just again segment off a disfavored population if you don't agree with what we're doing and if you're criticizing, if you're criticizing, then that is not American. And that's that's something that the attorney general um, obviously should not have any business in doing. And one of uh, the most recent statements of the attorney general, which really raised a lot of eyebrows. So there is a very serious issue uh, and problem of police community relations in this country, where certainly in some cities we've, we've seen documented evidence of police having a racial bias and particularly going out against uh, young young men of color. Uh, many of them shot and killed by white police officers, unarmed uh, uh, young men of color. Um, so Bob Barr jumps into this last week by basically warning mm -hmm. communities. You know he was talking about, again, African-Americans right. and Latinos. Basically warning them, you better respect your cops or else you might not get any protection, yeah. the protection you want. Right. This was... Uh this was, uh, let me just set the stage. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because this was, first of all, at a ceremony to honor law enforcement and something that the Department of Justice does. In It was in, Depart in the Department of Justice Great Hall. And um, the fact that he, not, again, it's the same pattern, right? He's silencing critics. He is um, making some, some communities favored and some communities disfavored. And taking basically um, the authority of the Justice Department to warn the disfavored communities. Now, in this context, I'm going to I'm going to say but, something. Go ahead. I'd have to add and denying that there is a real problem <laughs> here, and there are many many examples captured on video. On video, and, and okay, so the I, I, this is something that's that that gets personal to what I've done in my career. Um, I, I worked with law enforcement. I also investigated law enforcement for use of force and prosecuted them as well. So I've seen both sides of this. Um, the most charitable thing that you can say about or interpretation of what he said was if you say criticism of law enforcement, um, recruiting has been down and that's affecting it and that's going to hurt communities who most need it. He did not say any of that. And that's what his defenders are saying um, throughout media, throughout social media, and so forth. He didn't say any of that. He was reading from a prepared speech. I watched the video of that. Mm -hmm. And you as an attorney general have the power just in what you say, and you have to be very careful with with 
the words that you choose. And if that's exactly what you meant, meaning that recruitment's down or whatever, then come back and explain that. But Barr has not done any of that. He let it hang out there. And the, the most direct and uh, interpretation of what he said, exactly what you're saying, if you don't respect it, he said, respect the police, then you could be out of police protection. And this entire idea that you can't criticize government officials uh, or, in, or else you're going to have some kind of consequence is just a repeated theme that is not, it's not democratic. It's small d democratic. It's not um, part of our, it should be part of our society where rule of law and the ability to then use the constitutional uh, uh, tools of challenging power uh, need to come into play. And that, this, this administration is consistently against that kind of actual notion that this country has been founded on. And of course we should all and do respect police officers but he never indicated in that speech or in those, that statement that there might be some problems on the other side, yeah. right? Yeah. And that the police officers should also respect the community they serve. Yeah. And or just say there are a few bad apples, not all, you know, whatever, yeah. but acknowledge right. that, that there's a, there's real a major, issue major issue here. In Chicago, in many cities, Baltimore, we saw it I mean, across, across the land. And here's a difference, though. Even if you don't, quote unquote, respect law enforcement, and let's say his, their interpretation is these protests that have been happening are disrespectful of law enforcement. That has nothing to do with what law enforcement's responsibility is to protect and serve communities. It's not protect and serve only certain communities. You are you are authorized and you need to protect the entire community and not pick and choose depending on somebody's ideology or pick and choose depending on if they're critical of you. And he's a chief law enforcement officer and he's saying these things. Uh, and fi final uh, evidence perhaps of how he sees his job or at least Donald Trump sees his job in the uh, now infamous July 25 telephone call between uh, <laughs> President Trump and President Zelensky of Ukraine, uh, Donald Trump says, I'm paraphrasing here like Adam Schiff, so I don't want to be careful, but basically <laughs> saying, hey, talk to my buddy Rudy. Right. Uh, and talk to my buddy Bill Barr. Yeah. So he invokes the Attorney General of the United States in his cockamamie scheme to get Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and this crazy idea that was Ukraine, not Russia, in 2016. What does that say about Barr's role or how Trump sees his role? Well, to paraphrase uh, the witnesses that came before the Senate Intelligence Committee or the House Intelligence Committee, um, every, they all knew. Everybody, everybody was in it. Everybody was in the loop. Everybody yeah. was in the loop. Uh, looks like three cabinet secretaries, two or three cabinet secretaries, the vice president, chief of staff, um, Ambassador Solomon, everybody was in the loop, and you can't escape that. And that, again, going back to some of the things that you pointed out earlier, Bill, about the fact that Bill Barr is counseling, you know, the president personally, not in the capacity of an right. attorney general, counseling the president personally, is uh, it, it, this is all consistent, and it's all scary. To there me. are latest reports that Bill Barr may have warned Donald Trump mm -hmm. that Rudy Giuliani's not really helping you out. You know? <laughs> it, it look, if he's warning him that Rudy Giuliani is committing unlawful acts, that's one thing. And if that's the case, that he should be investigating Rudy Giuliani. If he's if he's warning Trump that 
he's not good for you politically. And he's he's doing things that are shady. I'm not going to do anything about it, but you should distance and disassociate yourself with that. That's the, where he crosses the line and serves as Trump's personal attorney instead of the attorney general of the United States. It, are there any signs of um, uh, maybe uh, Barr losing favor with Trump or that relationship kind of getting rocky? It doesn't seem like it at all because he's getting from Trump. Uh, he's get Trump is getting from Barr exactly what he didn't get from Sessions. The biggest thing that Trump had against Sessions was not how much Sessions was anti-communities of color or uh, was looking at not to basically to undermine criminal justice reform. None of that. His biggest thing with Sessions was the fact that Sessions did one thing right in his short administration, which was to recuse himself from uh, the entire Mueller investigation. And that's what Trump is now getting in Barr, somebody who didn't recuse and somebody who's participating actively in it. Which means that uh, Bill Barr is going to be around for a while. So, Ed, maybe we can get together again and then add to the list of <laughs> examples of how Barr uh, has uh, abused the the position of Attorney General of the United States. Unfortunately, I think we'll have a lot to talk about. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. And that's it for today's podcast with Ed Chung. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate having you with us. And we remind you once again, it's so important if you haven't already done so to please subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. You know how to do it by now. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tune in wherever you go for your podcast. Search for the Bill Press Pod and then click on subscribe and you are in. And if you really want to make us happy, give us a great big five-star review. Uh, and I guess one more reminder, and that is we hope you follow me on Twitter because if you do, at Bill Press Pod, at Bill Press Pod, you'll get advanced notice of every podcast so you won't, so you won't miss any single one of them. Again, thanks for listening. Happy holidays, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.